Welcome to the Harvest Community Church Ohio podcast. Our passion is to welcome and care for wounded and hurting people where they are in their journey so that they may find purpose and joy in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that you are blessed by listening today. Thank you for joining us, and God bless. So let's go ahead and pause and talk to him. Father, uh, Lord, thank you that you're here and you're amongst us and you want to do some work in our hearts and our minds and clean us up, so to speak. And we, we thank you. We thank you for how you love us. We thank you that you're not washing our feet in that sense, but you're washing our minds and our hearts and how, oh, how you bless our lives when we least deserve it. Thank you for that grace. Thank you for your love. Bless this time now as we open your word and we honor you by listening to your word and and doing our our best to learn from your word and then to to hear things and then not only just hear them, but to be doers of your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as you know, we've been in a series, if you've been around here, Jesus Christ, the light of the world. And uh, today... We'll be discussing one of the memorable moments with him and his disciples, a very intimate moment where Jesus washes their feet. And so uh, the title of today's message, though, is this. Ready? Growing up to be just like Jesus. Growing up to be just like Jesus. And uh, one of my favorite verses that, boy, I've used it a lot. If you've been around here, you've probably heard it a number of times, Hebrews 10, 14. For by a single offering, he has made perfect for all time, all time, those who are being sanctified. And, and so let's understand that that one offering was made by Jesus on the cross. He offered his blood for you and I. And when you and I receive what he did on that cross, his blood cleanses us of our sins for all time. We're perfect for all time. So these people talk about losing their salvation. I don't know what they're talking about. I don't understand uh, that because when I go to Scripture, Jesus says when you get saved, he gives you his Holy Spirit forever. And that when you, uh, by this single offering, when you receive that, you're perfect for all time. That sounds pretty complete to me and like a done deal. And then it says... Those who are being sanctified. Well, that word sanctify or sanctified, it comes from a, a big word that, that means a process of sanctification. Well, well, what's that? Well, God wants his children to grow up to be just like Jesus. So, so we've been completely delivered from our sins. We're perfect in God's eyes, just like our own kids. However, he wants us to slowly but surely, ready to transform So that we begin to think and act just like Jesus. You know, a verse that people really talk about a lot and that we use a lot, that we share a lot is this, Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And you might be like, well, man, God's done a lot of things. And really, they've been good. Really? Are you? Really, Pastor? They've been painful. Well, well, let's understand by the next verse what God considers good. Here it is. 
For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be, ready? Here's what God considers good. Conformed to the image of his son. In order that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers. Okay. So when God allows these things in my life, he's orchestrating events so that even if they're painful, so that I become more like Jesus, yes. Yes. And we need to understand that. That's what God considers good. Okay? Well, with this in mind, would you open up to John chapter 13, verses 1 to 19. We're going to be reading that story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. And if you need a Bible, a pen, or some notes, please raise your hand. And we've got Brian here and Dave coming down, and we've got Dave in the back. If you just raise your hand. They'll get you a Bible. They'll get you some notes, a pen, whatever you need. Really encourage you to take some notes. And then if you look up on the screen, you'll see a, a prayer that I have. I like to write out a prayer for the day. And uh, so I'm just going to, in a moment, pray that. You can read over that while those go, the Bibles go around and pens and such. And then I'd like to pray that over uh, each of us today and myself as we get ready to go into the word. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for coming into this dirty, difficult world and doing what was necessary for us to be with you in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your great love that has the power to change us and transform us into something new people who think and act like you. Please continue to help each one of us to become more like you and to love others the way that you do. That's what it means for us to be perfect like you. Help us, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, when God calls us to be perfect, like he's perfect, it doesn't mean that we don't make any mistakes. It means that we're perfect in our love. And so we're going to see an example of perfect love today. So let's go ahead and uh, if you would please stand with me as we read John chapter 13, verses 1 to 19. Now, before the feast of the Passover... When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and he was going back to God, rose from supper, he laid aside his outer, outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I'm doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Well, Simon changes his tune. <laughs> Here he says, he said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who's bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you're clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. 
That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I've done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread was lifted, has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time now. Bless this time as we open your word and seek to understand and observe what you want us to know in it. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, everyone. Please be seated. So get those notes ready. Let's go ahead and walk back through there. And let's begin with verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover... When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Well, to begin with, let's understand what's the Passover all about. You might be like, well, what's, what is this Passover feast? What's this all about? Well, well two, 1,200 to 1,300 years before this event, before what we're reading about today, uh, the Israelites had been delivered from Egypt uh, by God. And they were in slavery there, and they needed deliverance. And so God delivered them out of Egypt. Well, how, how did the Israelites, how were they delivered? Well, God sent uh, Moses to be his speaker, and Moses orchestrated with God these ten plagues on the land, and that really got the Egyptians to the place where they were like, go. Go And the last of the plagues involved an angel of death, listen, an angel of death being sent by God to take the life of the firstborn of each household in all of Egypt. Serious, serious stuff. Well, if anyone wanted to escape the angel of death or have the angel of death to sense pass over their house, they needed to sacrifice a lamb and put its blood on the doorposts of their home, and then the angel of death would pass over. Well, the end result was horrific for the Egyptians who knew nothing about this and did not do that. They lost the firstborn in every household, and there was weeping and wailing, and they were like, we've had enough. Get those Israelites out of here. Let them go. And so the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, let them go. Well, the Israelites that escaped death... It was because of the lamb, right? They put the blood of the lamb over the door. The lamb had to die in their place. Someone had to die, and the lamb was the one that died in their place. Do you see the connection? Jesus is your Passover lamb. You see that? Do you understand that? When death and judgment come to you, you need his blood over the doorposts of your heart. You need the Passover lamb, Jesus, protecting you and shielding you from death. So write this down, number one. Jesus is our Passover lamb. We need his blood to pay for our sins. 
so that we can escape spiritual death. Jesus is our Passover lamb. We need his blood to pay for our sins so that we can escape spiritual death. And so we understand, listen, we understand that just as God sent Moses to deliver the Israelites from slavery to to Egypt, God sent Jesus to deliver his people from slavery to sin. Thank you, Jesus. Amen to that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you. And Jesus knew, listen, Jesus knew in the story we're reading today that his hour to be the Passover lamb had come. He knew it was time. And he knew that the next day, just the very next day, he would be hanging on the cross. And David Guzik, who's uh, one of those uh, Chuck Smith uh, guys uh, uh, in Blue Letter Bible, he's, I use his commentary a lot, he said this, this was the beginning of the end. And Jesus used these last precious hours to serve and prepare his disciples. The beginning of the end. And so let's talk about that word end because it comes up in in verse 1. Take a look again at verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, we need to understand something, that idea of loving them to the end. I mean, when Jesus died on the cross, that wasn't the end of his life. So, so what, what is this talking about? Well, he loved, he, he loved them to the end of his stay, his first coming here, or, or, what, or what, what is this? Well, that word, to the end, or end, telos, it could mean this, ready, to the uttermost. He held nothing back. And he loved them completely, fully, with a steadfast love to the complete end, he's going to love you and I, and that is Hesed love. We've been talking a lot about Hesed love, haven't we? If you've been around here, you've heard that as well. You know, we understand agape love. Agape, maybe you've heard that word. It means unconditional love. God loves us without conditions. It's not I love you if you do this, or I love you because you do this, or I love you when you do this. No, it's I love you, period. That's agape, that's unconditional love. That's how husbands are called to love their wives. Well, in the Old Testament, God's love is referred to as hesed, steadfast, loyal. He loves us to the uttermost, to the complete end. It will never stop. He's steadfast and loyal in his love. Well, look at verse 2. During supper... When the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. Well, let's pause there. So let's understand. The devil had already said, Judas, you're my man, and he grabbed a hold of him. You've given me a foothold, a stronghold in your life. Do you give the devil a foothold, a stronghold in your life so he can come in and say, oh, you're my person, I'm going to use you. And you're like, well, wait, Christians can't be demon-possessed. Well, Christians can certainly give the devil a stronghold, a foothold in their life. And we have to beware of that. Well, are you, am I saying Judas belonged to him? No, the scripture here says he wasn't a part of him and that he didn't belong to him. But the devil had taken possession of Judas and, and was like a a snake poised, ready to strike. And Jesus knew that, but he wasn't rattled by that. Why wasn't he rattled by that? Well, there are a few things here. He, he knew that God had given him all things. 
that he was already had all authority. It wasn't like Jesus was like, well, I better do this, and I better die on the cross so that God will give me all authority. I need to earn it. No, 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 no. Jesus didn't need to earn anything, right? It, God had given it to him, and it wasn't something he needed to earn. And then he also knew, look, he also knew that he had come from God, and he knew that he was going to go back to God, that he belonged to him. And, and these are important things for us to wrap our minds around and to have in our own hearts. Here, write this down. Number two, we're best able to serve others when we not only realize God's grace, you know, we're, we're not trying to earn anything, just like Jesus didn't try to earn, you know, all authority. You and I, we don't have to try to earn God's favor. We have God's grace. But we're also clear about our origin, where we come from, and our destiny. We understand we belong to God. We came from him, that's origin, source, and destiny, that's our end. We're going to be with him. So we have to understand these three things. Because if all else is stripped away, these three things can't be. I mean, that's what the Nazis did to the Jews during World War II. They stripped away everything. They took away family relationships. Those were gone. They, took away, they gave them prison clothes. They, they took away their name. They gave them a number. They, they shaved all the hair. Their glasses, gone, jewelry, accessories, anything that made that person who they were, they, they removed and gave them a number so that their total identity, in a sense, was stripped from them. But you and I, man, these three things can't ever be stripped away from us. God's grace. We know where we, we've come from, and we know where we're going, right? We belong to him. Those three can never be stripped away from you. Hang on to those. Well, many people, you know, they serve God thinking, well, hey, I got to earn something. No, no, you don't. We've been gifted with salvation. We have. And we know that we belong to him. We know where we're going. We know where we've come from. And so in that, as we hang on to that, listen, that ought to give us a freedom to serve and even inspire us. Wow, I'm loved like that? I, I want to go serve others. I've been given much. I want to give much. I want to. And so we see that with Jesus, right? Look what Jesus did, verse 4. So Jesus rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. You know, he humbled himself. He took on the task of the lowest servant in the household. They, they gathered in this upper room. There were no servants there. They just kind of, well, you know, they reclined. They reclined. The table was low. Not like we sit at a table, it was low. They reclined and they kept their feet away, their dirty feet away from the table. Well, Jesus gets up and he begins to wash their feet. He begins to do what the lowest servant in the household is expected to do. And so write this down. Number three, like Jesus, we're to consider others more important than ourselves and look for ways to serve them. Like, other, like Jesus, we're to consider others more important than ourselves and look for ways to serve them. Isn't that hard to hear? Isn't that just great against self? Really? Really? Well, yeah, that's what Jesus did, but you tell me I'm supposed to do it too? What? Yeah, that's what he did, isn't it? 
He showed love to those around. He was, and he was, he wasn't just like he was like, okay, I'm going to show. He was alert to needs. Are you alert to needs around you? What's going on with people? And do you put their, their needs before your own at times? Or That's what Philippians 2 talks about. Look at this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Yeah, truly, this is counter to the world, right? What's the world say? Look out for number one. It's a dog-eat-dog world, man. Look out for number one. And we're like, what? Consider others better than ourselves? Are you kidding? No way. And sometimes it can be hardest where? Hardest at home, right? I don't know. Hardest at home? Really? Yeah. Well, this kind of worldly thinking, that's what God wants to remove from our minds, okay? And that process, listen, the process of removing this worldly thinking from our minds, it's a big word. It's called sanctification, but it's just like our title today. All that means is growing up to be like Jesus, just like Jesus. That's what that process is all about, and we talked about it in the introduction, didn't we? And so that our thinking and our acting are just like Jesus. Well, and Jesus kind of gives us a picture of what, it, what it's like when he's sanctifying us. It's like washing feet. And you're like, huh, what? Well, here, let's take a look here. Verse 6. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Because, Peter, I'm going to call on you as a leader to be a foot washer. I'm going to call on you to put the needs of others before your own to do things you never thought you would do or want to do, things you didn't think you could do. I'm going to call on you to step outside of yourself and be something you never thought you could be and to serve others in ways you never thought you could. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. No, Lord, don't, that's, I'm not worthy. That's below you. Don't do that. And Jesus answered him, if I don't wash your feet, you have no share with me. You know, interesting, this is a, a side thought. You know, some people think, oh, my sin's so great. God's love could never, I mean, God's love is here. It, could, it, it can't handle, are you kidding? Your sin's like here, and God's love's like a tsunami. and can crush your sin. I don't care what you've done. And you're like, really? Yes. Don't lower the blood of Jesus and exalt your sin. The priceless blood of Jesus. Well, Simon Peter gets a strange idea. He's like, okay, wait. Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Wash it all. Jesus said to him, the one who's bathed does not need to wash except his feet, but is completely clean. And you're clean, but not every one of you. He's referring to Judas there, as it says, for he knew it was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. See, Peter belonged to Jesus. Judas didn't. People have asked that. Do you think Judas got saved? You know, we. I mean, Peter and Judas both betrayed Jesus, right? We'll see when we die, right? Well, anyway, Peter belonged to Jesus, and when you and I truly belong to Jesus, his blood cleanses us from all sin. It's like we're bathed, we're washed, we're clean. It's done. However, we're not immediately taken out of the world, are we, and placed into heaven, right? We're, we're left here, 
and we walk these dirty, dusty roads and our feet pick up crud, right? Well, just like our minds can pick up cruds and uh, crud and, and we get these worldly thoughts and, and values that we need to be cleansed from. We'll write this down, number four. Our, our faith in Jesus results not only in our delivery from sin and death, but also enrolls us in a process where God transforms us. He orchestrates events so that we think and act more like Jesus. That's a Romans 8, 28, 29 again, right? All things work together for good. What? To transform us into people who think and act like Jesus. So look again at that verse. Hebrews uh, 10, 14. For by a single offering, what Jesus did on the cross, he's perfected for all time. Who? Us. Those who've embraced him. Those who are now enrolled in that process of sanctification. Being sanctified. Growing up to be more like Jesus. See, when we receive Christ as our Savior, you and I become his child. And our children are perfect. We had the kids in here today, and our kids are perfect. And, and, and when they're little, all they can gift us with is what's in the diaper. And you're like, what? And you think, oh, that's, that's it. And then as they grow up, they can't really gift us with much else as they grow and they get older and well then they they begin to understand love and then they start to they can begin to gift us love and then as they become adults then they become our friends and what a joy but there's the mess that comes when they're little and there's the mess that often comes when they're old too and so think about that we, we do. We throw a lot of messes out there, and God loves us anyways, doesn't he? And you're like, really? Yeah. You and I are messy people, and God loves us anyway. We're his children. We belong to him. But truly, we're still messed up even when he saves us and makes us perfect. We're still messed up by the effects of sin, aren't we? Still messed up by the effects of sins. Max Lucado gives this great analogy. He puts it this way. He said, it's kind of like if my daughter's eating an ice cream cone and she drops it in the stand and picks it up and starts to eat it again anyway. She gets sand and stuff. All. I love her. She's my daughter. I'm not going to say, well, you're not my daughter anymore and walk away. You made a mess. No, I'm going to pick her up. I'm going to take her over the fountain. I'm going to throw that ice cream cone away and I'm going to wash off her mouth. Isn't that beautiful, a beautiful picture of what God does for us as his children, that he loves us like that, even when we make messes? Well, every day you and I get tainted by the world. And every day we need to open up God's word. We need to open it up, and we need to confess, and we need to repent. And you say, well, what is, what? Confess? Confess means to admit, God, this is a mess. I was wrong. It's a and then we need to repent. Well, what is that? Well, that means we change direction in relation to our thinking and our behavior. So you see that sanctification process as we're confronted with truth. We realize, oh, yeah, this isn't good. I, I confess that. But then we, we, we stop the direction we're going in and we go in the, the other direction. Not just in our, our, our thinking, 
but in our behavior. And a little later, Jesus is going to say, blessed are you if you know these things and you do them. Okay? So it's one thing to know, hey, this is wrong or this is right. But it's another thing to say, I need to do that thing that's, that's right or I need to repent of that thing that's wrong and go in the other direction. So we understand that and we embrace that and know that. Well, here, look at verse 12. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments... And resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Verse 15, For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I've done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And this goes right back to our observation that point three, like Jesus, we're to consider others more important than ourselves and look to the ways that we can serve them, right? And again, he wants us to be attentive to needs around us. He wants us to serve people. So let's understand that. Now look at verse 18. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I've chosen, but the scripture will be that excuse me, I know whom I've chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted up his heel against me. John was a young 15-year-old at the time, or probably, yeah, 15-year-old when he started to walk with Jesus three years in now. He's probably about 18, but writing this, he's, he's, it's like 60 years later. He's, he's, he's probably in his 70s writing this, and he, he lived double uh, the life expectancy of that time, and, but he's remembering these things, and he's writing them down, and he's, he says, and I'm telling you this now, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. He wanted everyone to know that Jesus knew what was going on. Things weren't hid from him. It wasn't like Judas had fooled him or anything like that, and Jesus didn't understand that this was the tool of the devil. No, prophecy, Jesus knew it. He knew that Judas was the betrayer foretold in Scripture because he's the great I am. Listen, there, there are no secrets that can be kept from God because he's all-knowing. No messes in your life that can be hidden from him because he's omniscient. That means omni-all and then knowing, omniscient. He knows all. So write this, write this down. Number five, we, we cannot hide our secret sin from God. We're to confess them and repent of them rather than give the devil a foothold in our lives. We cannot hide our secret sins from God. We're to confess them and repent of them rather than give the devil a foothold in our lives. That's what Judas did, right? He was a thief, kept stealing the money out of the money bag, and he refused to repent. And Jesus knew this. Nothing's hid from God. He knew this. And he wanted his disciples to have no doubts about the fact that he was the great I am, and he knew what was going on. Here's a side thought for you, but it goes right along with it. The disciples not only realized that Jesus knew about Judas, but he also knew about them. Take a look. I mean, can you imagine their thinking? 
Jesus also knew that we were going to abandon him, betray him, and run away. And he still knelt down and washed our feet anyway. Jesus died for you and me while we were yet sinners. Wait, wait. So his, sin, his, his death on the cross covers my sin. You, I've, said, you've said this, I've said this a lot. Past, present, and future. So you're saying that if ever God loved me, he loves me now because I'm, I'm one of those people who's hiding some secret sin past. Yeah. If you're a child of God, if ever God loved you, he loves you now. And he wants you to get right with him. What? Did Jesus know those disciples were going to abandon him, betray him, and run? Yeah. Did he still kneel down and wash his feet? Yeah. God loves us like that. Never forget that. If ever God loved you, he loves you now. If you, the day you said, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior, you're mine. And his love is Hesed love. And he's going to love you to the end, to the uttermost. And no matter what I do, yes. No matter what I say, yes. No matter where I go and things I keep in secret, yes. 1 John 1.9 says this. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, you can read that, and if you're not a believer, you can read that and say, oh, so if I confess all my sins, he's going to rescue me? Yes, true. And if you're here today, please take care of that. Say, Jesus, I, I never understood you're my Passover lamb. I receive you. Put the blood over the doorpost of my heart. Be my Savior. Let me belong to you and be your child. Do that now. But this verse was really intended for believers. And it's about keeping the family relationship open and clear. So when one of my kids does something to upset me, like, hey, I need you to pick up all these walnuts, throw them in the barrel and get it done. And then later I open up the barrel and there's not a single one in there. I, I get pretty, pretty upset. And there's a, but that's, you know, still my child and I'm not going to, well, kick him out of the house and have him, you know, go to the neighbor's house or something. You know, this is still my child. And so I love them, but there's a disconnect, and it needs to be removed. It's not like they, I don't, they don't belong to me anymore. I don't love No, but there's a disconnect, and it needs to be removed. And that's what this is talking about. It's like family relationships. And we need to realize we can't hide our, our sin, our messes from God. We can't. We need to confess them so that we don't give the devil a stronghold in our lives like Judas did in any way, shape, or form. We need to get right with him. So we're going to pray in a moment, but here are the questions today for today. You know, what, what have you learned or been reminded about God? What, what does God want you to do with what you've heard? And, and here's another question. Is it time to confess some secret sin? And to repent of it. You know, at the end of the service, there'll be, we have chaplains, men and women who will be up here, elders, they're up here, I'll be up here. And if you're like, I'm one of those people, I need to get down there, I need to talk to somebody. 
I need to, I need to get this out of my life. If you've, if you've been lying to yourself, thinking, oh, it's okay. It doesn't hurt anybody. That's called a seared conscience. Your conscience can become calloused. You, you, need to, you need to rip that callous off. Realize you've been lying to yourself and say, I got to get rid of this thing. I got to get rid of this sin in my life. Whatever it is, let God speak to you now and deal with it. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you wash our feet. It's not like we get saved over and over again. And Lord, please, I pray for these dear people who are confused about that and think they have to get saved over and over again. They lose their salvation. They're in trouble. God, please help them. Deliver them from that foolish fear and help them to understand the truth of your word that they're perfect for all time. That they have your Holy Spirit in them forever and they belong to you and your love is hassid, steadfast, loyal and that when they're washed and clean, they're washed and clean but now every now and then they, we need our, our feet cleaned. Lord, you did let Peter fall. Peter fell hard. Then you washed his feet. Do you love me, Peter? I love you, Lord. Do you love me, Peter? I love you, Lord. Do you love me, Peter? I love you, Lord. Then serve, shepherd, teach, care for my sheep. So, Lord, help us to be people who embrace our, our love for you, who embrace your love for us, and be people who serve you and shepherd, love, and teach, and care for your sheep. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.